Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. You know, if you let the kids grow it, they'll eat it, especially these five backyard garden treats. Pam Farley, the Brown Thumb Mama, talks about five garden fruits and vegetables that are going to keep your kids happy, busy in the garden, and eating healthy. College horticulture professor Debbie Flower tackles some of the biggest springtime pests of roses, aphids, and thrips. Hey, maybe all you have is kind of a shady backyard patio, but if it gets just a couple of hours of sun, you have some foods you can grow. Today's quick tip will let you know what healthy vegetables you can grow there. Do you want to make a stranger or neighbor feel good in this era of worry and uncertainty? Well, we have an idea of something to do that will make everyone in your family smile. And yes, it does have something to do with gardening. It's all on this week's Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, and we're going to do it all in less than 30 minutes. Let's get started. So while you're sheltering in place, what are you and the kids doing? You might be running out of things to do by now. Well, maybe it's time if you haven't already to get that vegetable and fruit garden started because kids can really get into it. And one person who knows that is Pam Farley, the Brown Thumb Mama. You can find out more information about her at her website, brownthumbmama.com. And Pam, as a parent, you've experimented with growing different fruits and vegetables. What are the ones that your kids gravitated to? And when you talk to others, what are they that they gravitate to? Absolutely. So we've been gardening here um, in our little city backyard for longer than we've had kids. And it was pretty apparent right away which ones, which fruits and veggies the kids would run over and eat right off the vine and which ones they wouldn't touch with a 50-foot pole. (laughs) Um, The first one is going to be a a no-brainer for just about everybody, and that's strawberry. Yeah, I, I would think I would think any fruit or vegetable that has sweetness attached to it would be popular. This is true. This is true. And we we actually grow strawberries in our front yard because the sun is better out there. There's two kinds of strawberries, and it's important to get the ever-bearing kind of strawberries because if you get June-bearing, they'll all come ripe at once, which is great. But then you have to wait so much longer for them to be ready. With Everbearing, you can just sit in the garden or every time you walk by, grab a couple because they produce through the whole season instead of, you know, all in the same day. Now, it depends where you live about your strawberry growing season. Here in California, we are lucky enough to have strawberries uh, able to overwinter and produce two crops. They're also called, uh, uh, besides being called uh, Everbearing, they, they also can be called day-neutral strawberries. And there's a there's a lot of good varieties that are out there that are are large and sweet and high yielding. And the beauty of planting strawberries here in California, if you plant them when they become available in late summer at nurseries and you get the everbearing uh, varieties, you're going to get a fall crop and then you're going to get a crop the next spring. So you get uh, a lot of bang for your buck with those everbearing or day neutral strawberries. Definitely. And you can get a six pack at the nursery for less money than a pack of them at the grocery store. And you get many, many more strawberries and they taste amazing. 
Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I know that in taste test trials uh, here in Northern California, the everbearing strawberries that seem to do the best, the varieties include Selva, Muir, Irvine, Fern, and Hecker. I love the Hecker variety. It's abundant. They're small to medium size, a bit smaller, but they have a mild flavor and they're deep red and it produces uh, throughout the year. I bet my kids would love to run around saying Hecker. Hecker, yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then they can oh, and then they can then they come in the house all smeared with red. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good idea to just hose them off in the front yard before they come in. <laughs> well, that's always fun <laughs> on a summer day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it. Yeah, it just saves it saves a lot of trouble. <laughs> All right. Speaking of uh, sweet tasting uh, fruits and vegetables that kids really enjoy, another one that I mean, even I have a hard time walking back into the house with a full bucket after picking them because I'll munch on them. Is are cherry tomatoes? Yes. Oh my gosh, cherry tomatoes are the perfect size for little hands to pick. They, if they accidentally drop a couple, you'll get a volunteer plant next year. And we, our elementary school has a school garden, and we planted a few cherry tomatoes. Um, this has been several years ago now. And the kids had a taste testing at lunch, and I figured that you know elementary school kids would not be big fans, but they just wolfed them down. It was amazing. Uh, there's a lot of good cherry tomato varieties that do well just about any place in the country. Uh, some of my favorites include Sweet 100, Sweet Million, Sun Gold is a very popular variety. It's a, uh, as the name implies, sort of a yellowish golden color. And uh, another one that's coming on strong is called Juliet, which is a, a oh. more of a grape sized tomato. A little bit bigger than a cherry tomato, but still, um, kids love to uh, munch on those in the garden as well. What are some of the ones that you've planted? So this year, I have just planted Sweetie Cherry, which I started from seed because I'm crazy. It's much easier to go to the, the local nursery to get them, but I like to challenge some years. Some years, I, I only plant from start, but this year, I, I'm trying Sweetie Cherry, but it's only about four inches tall right now. Have your kids, did they ever get interested in, in growing main season vegetables from seed? We plant almost everything from seed. Um, it's more economical and like things like, like snow peas and cucumbers, green beans, the seeds are all big enough for them to handle. Lettuce seeds, not so much. That's a very, very good point you bring up is to get kids interested in gardening, especially from a seed starting point. Uh, big seeds help. Yes, yes. And you can put them, plant them in Dixie cups in the windowsill and start them in the house so they can keep an eye on them. That that really helps, especially the littlest ones. They're like, oh, look, at you know, the leaves are poking through the soil. And yeah, they just get a, a real blast out of watching them grow and grow and then planting them and taking care of them in the garden. You mentioned snow peas and I could see how they could be popular. First of all, the pea seeds are easy to handle. And uh, mm -hmm. and the pods, you, especially the snow pea pods, you don't have to peel off the pod to eat the peas. You can just uh, munch on the pod if you get to it before it hardens up. It, absolutely. And so the only way we actually plant snow peas in three different areas in the garden because I can't get any because the kids eat them all. So I have to have, <laughs> we each have our own patch because... They'll just 
sit out there in the garden and just eat them right off the vine. You know, you call yourself a brown thumb mama, but on your webpage entitled Five Best Vegetables to Grow with Kids, I can tell you're a real gardener because the, I bet that's the picture of you holding the snow peas and you've got, yes. a, you've got a Band-Aid on your ring finger. <laughs> yes, that's me. <laughs> yeah, I, I have um, yeah pictures of me with dirt on and every possible molecule of my hands and bandages and gloves and exactly well that's and also a... pictures of me holding potatoes that are the size of golf balls because <laughs> things don't always grow well there's a lot of good snow pea varieties to try uh and and growing them from seed is the way to go and uh, they do need a trellising system and you don't want them sprawling on the ground where snails and slugs can get to them but uh, what do you use for a, a trellising system looking at the back of the picture of this it looks like you've got some uh, looks almost like field fencing you're using so I've I've done it a few different ways. I have the um, the field fencing. I lay it on its side because I only stand it up the tall way for pole beans. But I lay it on its side, and I can do quite a few there. I have a nice wooden trellis that we built. I have used the the easiest way is to get a couple of nice straight sticks or poles or scrap wood, and then use jute um, trellis trellising or netting from the garden store because then at the end of the year if you don't feel like untangling all the vines and everything you can just snip it off and put the whole thing in your compost bin okay (laughs) (laughs) Oregon sugar pot is a good variety I noticed that you mentioned that in the article and uh, they are uh, very prolific yes they're my favorite because a lot of the time you can get two pods off of one node. Now, another uh, vegetable that uh, you recommend uh, as part of a kid's garden, and even though they can't see it grow when they yank it out of the ground, uh, they're going to be thrilled, and it's uh, multicolored carrots. Yes, these are amazing. There's there's several different, different seed companies have different, blends or combinations carrots are something that you have to start from seed because they cannot handle being transplanted so um, I like carnival blend which has a whitish carrot a purplish carrot and the normal orange and when you cut the purple carrots open they're orange inside so it's just it's like fireworks it's the coolest thing the (laughs) kids are just like wow uh, and, and carrots are, are, are easy to grow. Now, we're dealing, though, with small seeds, aren't we? Very, very small. So something that I like to do to make it easier on the kids to plant the carrot seeds, because otherwise you're just going to have a big old jumble of seeds, is to lay out two or three squares of toilet paper, mist it with a couple of spritzes of water, and then plop seeds on the toilet paper, let that dry, and then place that in the garden. Mm. It's kind of like homemade seed tape. How far apart do you space the seeds on the toilet paper? I usually do five per square. You could probably do them closer than that, but that's that's easy for the kids to count and see. And they have smaller fingers, too, so they can more easily move the little seeds around. This is true. Yeah, that's the first time I think I've ever talked about carrots and toilet paper in the same sentence. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, there you go. But that makes always nothing. breaking new ground here. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I like that because the because it is uh, biodegradable, the toilet paper, and so you could plant that with five or six seeds on it. And hey, that's a great way to do it. Thanks. All right, I saved the best for last. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to tell me about this one. Kids like to grow cucumbers. Well, if you think about the way cucumbers taste, they're mild. They're not um, like asparagus is, you know, way too strong flavored broccoli things like that. The ones that the kids always turn up their turn up their noses at. And there's several different kinds of cucumbers. Of course, there's you know, tasty green or the like Japanese cucumbers that are burpless cucumbers. Of course, the cucumbers you make pickles out of. The ones that that the kids especially like are little Persian baby cucumbers. They're about the size of your thumb, um, or a couple of, or the size of you know a couple of fingers, because they're just like little delicious very low seed and they so my kids end up picking them off the plant and pretending they're like Charlie Chaplin with a cigar you know and and just gnawing on the cucumber right there in the garden boy if your kids know who Charlie Chaplin is good for you you're a good parent (laughs) I'm not sure that they exactly know who they're pretending to be but you know they're waddling around with a with a a cucumber cigar so there we are all right so there you go five fruits and vegetables that the kids will take a liking to and get them out in the garden and get them interested in gardening a habit that will last with them for a lifetime talk a little bit pam about uh, browntumbmama.com and you've got some uh, publications available for beginning gardeners absolutely so i have been gardening in this house for more than 20 years and I've done a lot of things well and a lot of things have not turned out so that's where the the brown thumb moniker comes from I have I don't have a super green thumb I'm just a regular mom who's figuring it out and sharing gardening information easy recipes and ways to make your home more natural maybe ditch the disposables the plastic bags, the paper towels, things like that. So I have so many people asking questions about gardening, like basic vegetable gardening, and it's always a good idea for us to produce what we can, not be consumers as much if we can help it and be producers. What? So Pam, what's in the ultimate beginning gardener bundle? The bundle has everything that new gardeners need to get started. So it has my book about beginning vegetable gardening called Get Your Garden Started. That book has information about basic, basic garden questions that nobody seems to answer. Like, do you have to plant your seeds right side up? And what does full sun mean? So that book is has 40 pages of the best vegetable gardening information. I have vegetable garden planting schedules. So... For anywhere in the U.S., as long as you know your planting zone, it will tell you exactly what to plant each month, customized for your area. And there's something that you can plant almost every month, no matter where you are in the U.S. A booklet on the beginner's guide to making compost, because that is invaluable for having healthy 
vegetables and fruits and flowers in your garden and it's easy to make and you don't have to buy it at the garden center. And then a bonus principle called vegetable garden companion plant. For more information about all of the stuff, go to brownthumbmama.com. There's a lot of great information there. You can look up the Ultimate Beginning Gardener Bundle that's there. That includes the vegetable planting schedule for wherever you live. The uh, beginning book, Get Your Garden Started. The companion plant uh, information and the beginner's guide to making compost. It's all at brownthumbmama.com. Pam Farley, always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. on the Garden Basics podcast, we want to answer your garden questions. A couple of ways you can do that. Give us a call, 916-292-8964. That number again, 916-292-8964. You can either leave a message or you can text that number as well. Be patient. There are a lot of rings before we pick up. Another way is email. Send your garden questions to fred at farmerfred.com. That's fred at farmerfred.com. One benefit of email is you can attach a photo of a bug or a plant that you're trying to identify. We're looking forward to hearing and seeing your questions. And thanks for listening to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. I appreciate all your support and all your comments. Here on the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, we like to answer your questions. And this time of year, there's a lot of them. Larry from Folsom writes in and he says, I have a very persistent problem with my roses. There is something that is causing the flower to not develop properly. I suspect it's a bug problem. Do you have any suggestions or can you recommend someone I should take a flower to for diagnosis? Well, actually, that last question, Larry, is not a bad suggestion because a lot of counties have master gardener programs here in California. There are master gardener programs throughout the United States, and that's always a good go-to research a resource to find out information about a pest you can't identify or a problem with a plant you might be having, like with your roses. But you did send some pictures of your roses. And Debbie Flower is your retired college professor, and you've seen the pictures, Debbie. And there's a lot of bugs. There's a lot of bugs amongst those distorted roses. Yes, there are. The, the roses are showing some browning and some uh, distortion or misshapen petals. And there are certainly lots of aphids there, both winged aphids and aphids uh, that have no wings. And they are a sucking insect. And they actually, they, they're very small. They have very small mouth parts. And they like to suck on the youngest tissue uh, of the leaf. They were on the bud. I said of the leaf, but they're also on the flower. They were on the bud of the flower as well. And in that process, they can prevent the uh, developing flower from the developing petals from expanding. And so when the flower does open, it is distorted or misshapen. They can also cause cells to die, and that can lead to to browning. Uh, Aphids are pretty... A common problem. You see them. There are many, many different kinds of aphids. They come in many different colors. These happen to be gray and black on the rose pictures that were sent. Um, but on other plants, they can be yellow and they can be red. They can be all kinds of colors, uh, even like white and fluffy. So first thing is to get that identified. And, and his pictures show that he does have aphids. And they are um, 
pretty, I was going to say easy to control. I don't know if that's fair. You have to be persistent. They, we don't want to use insecticides on the aphids because there are many, many beneficials that feed, eat those aphids. That's their protein meal. And there's, it's a little hard to tell, but there could be a lacewing larva on that rosebud in the picture. And that lacewing larva is a great consumer of aphids, as our lady beetle larva. So if you see aphids and you see worms among the aphids, the worms in general are the larva or babies of the beneficial insect. And so that's a good thing. So if we were to spray that, that um, rosebud or that flower, rose flower with uh, a, a pesticide, something that's poisonous or something that coats their bodies and causes them to die, we would also be killing that, those beneficials. And that's so true. And uh, bad bugs have more sex than good bugs, and they will reproduce <laughs> quicker. Oh, and, I mean, things like aphids, what they re- reproduce, what, every two weeks? Oh, I think it varies by temperature. But yes, and they don't need to have sex. <laughs> aphids and thrips, which is another potential problem on his roses, uh, don't even need to have sex to have babies. They just have a whole lot of females, and then once in a while a male shows up, and or they have a male, and there is some sex, and they get some, some males in the process, but they don't have to have sex to uh, to have babies. And so it's, a, it's you know, poisoning them, they, they have babies so fast that the ones that survive the poisoning live long enough to have babies that are now resistant to the poison. So the next generation, you've used some sort of pesticide on your plant, the next generation of aphids and thrips uh, are resistant to that pesticide that you have just used. And so it, it, they can adapt to their environment, including the poisons we are applying to them, faster than we can control them. So the control, the best control for uh, to try, especially for aphids, is Uh, with a strong stream of water and knock them off. You want to do it during the day, early in the day, so that the flower and the plant dries off before evening, because in the evening temperatures can drop to a certain point that will allow fungus to grow on the plant. But if you do it early enough in the day that the water dries up, then that uh, problem with the fungus doesn't occur. It will knock the, the hard water, stream of water will knock the aphids to the ground and they don't have the wherewithal in most cases to get back on the plant. But you're going to have to do this over and over and over again because they are so prolific. So, But the other thing to watch for is the beneficial insects that are coming in to eat them. And so if you see lady beetles, hoverflies, lace wings, little worms on, on the flower with the aphids, then you might just want to leave things alone and let the uh, beneficials, those are all beneficials, let those beneficials eat the aphids. Thrips are a little bit harder, and they can cause that uh, petal distortion as well because they're buried inside that bud, and you couldn't even hit them with chemicals anyway. Right, right. They they feed inside the bud. They are so tiny uh, that the way we often identify them is to take a piece of white paper and put it under the plant part that we, we see with the distorted distortion problem and tap on the plant part and look for a little grain of almost uh, pepper. And some, some thrips are larger, but that hits the paper and runs away. Uh, then we assume if we can't catch it and don't happen to have, you know, the correct magnifying tools to look at it, we assume we have a thrips. And thrips are, are difficult to control 
because they do feed in the bud. And so if if that is a problem that's regularly occurring on the plant, and thrips tend to like lighter colored uh, petals, pink, pink, white, yellow, the pale ones. If, if you are getting repeated discolored flowers, one, uh, or distorted flowers, one technique is to just cut them off for a little while and, and throw them in the, the green waste, not your compost pile, or dip them in a soapy water mix so that they uh, you have killed the thrips that are present and then um, get rid of them. And hopefully you're removing the adults which are, have the ability to reproduce and uh, lowering the amount of uh, uh, thrips that are present. There are beneficial wasps that eat thrips. And so if you can handle the amount of damage you're seeing, uh, the population of beneficial wasps will build up over time. But again, we don't want to hit the plant with topical pesticides, things that that we touch the plant with, touch the insect with, because uh, one, the thrips is buried in the bud and it's not going to do much good. And even if we can see it, we will maybe also uh, hitting these wasps. The wasps are also very tiny uh, and may not be visible. Uh, we may not know what we're looking at. We may not be able to see them. And so we would kill them as well. And we just, they, then the thrips build up their resistance and the next population uh, we can't kill anyway. So it's a, it's a vicious kind of circle. I guess one strategy, and since everybody is sheltered in place, you have plenty of time to do this, would be to take half a bucket of soapy water out to the garden and start shaking your rosebuds into that bucket of soapy water and whatever falls off would basically drown. Hopefully most of them would be thrips. Right. Don't forget, you can get your garden questions into the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast through a myriad of ways, including uh, leaving it via telephone, 916-292-8964. You can also text your question there, 916-292-8964. Email it in to fred at farmerfred.com. And you can leave it on a number of social media outlets, including the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page or on Twitter at Farmer Fred and Instagram Farmer Fred Hoffman. Debbie Flower, we learned a lot. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. One question I get a lot from gardeners, they say, I don't have much room. I've got a patio, and as far as sunlight goes, there isn't much. It's kind of mostly shade. Is there anything I can grow there that I can eat? There certainly is. Leafy greens, lettuce, spinach, chard, kale, bok choy. Now, in hot summer climates, greens might turn bitter if you allow them to grow longer than a couple of months. Some lettuces do better than others when it comes to growing in hot weather. That includes loose-leaf lettuces, and loose-leaf lettuce, by the way, is one of the easiest to grow as well, with fewer problems than head lettuce. Good selections include black-seeded Simpson, Simpson Elite, Oak leaf, those all have green leaves. Salad bowl, that has deeply cut green leaves. There are a lot of lettuces with red variegation like red sails or new red fire. Give those a try. One of my favorite hot weather resistant lettuces to grow is also very colorful. I won't try to pronounce the French, but in English, it's Marvel of Four Seasons. And if you want some tangier salad greens, well, don't forget things like mustards, arugula, cress, chicory, radoccio, or mizunas. 
So get in the habit of growing a succession of greens in several medium-sized pots or wide containers. Maybe plant a dozen or so seeds every week. And then harvest the greens with your scissors for salads when the plants are about a month old. So even though a lot of the restrictions placed on us during this coronavirus epidemic uh, are continuing, things are loosening up a little bit. But many of us are still sheltering in place. Many of us are still spending time with family. And to uh, alleviate the boredom, many of us are taking walks with our family. Well, here's a great way to get your kids interested in gardening, interested in the natural world, and also make somebody happy. This was posted on Instagram. It was a piece of paper. And on this piece of paper, it was written, you are our pick for yard of the day. And this piece of paper was left on their front porch. And they opened up this folded piece of paper. And on the inside, it said, thank you for making our neighborhood a little bit more beautiful. The Jones family. What a great idea. Mom, dad, the kids go for a walk. And then they all look at people's yards, but they look for different things. They look for maybe color or texture or arrangement of plants or the care of the plants. Everybody could have different criteria or whatever strikes their fancy, their eyes, their ears, their nose that they might see in that yard. The family votes and that house gets a nice award, a piece of paper written on it. You are our pick for yard of the day. That raises a lot of spirits in your neighborhood. And as we continue in these, well, let's just call them interesting times, we have to continue to uplift each other's spirits. And this is an easy way to do it. Thank you for listening to Garden Basics with Farmer Fred. I appreciate you listening. Would you please subscribe? You can find the podcast at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Podcast Attic, and hey Alexa, play the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. Thank you.